Hey, this is Matthew Lilly. Welcome to the Presence Pioneers podcast. Hey, welcome to today's episode. Thank you so much for joining us. Today we have an interview with Jonathan Frizz, who's the leader of 10 Days, which is a ministry that is calling cities to shut down and pray and seek the Lord for 10 days. And they're seeing amazing things happen when it comes to unity and prayer. And out of the overflow of that prayer and unity, they're seeing miracles and salvations and healings and amazing things happen in cities all over America and now even beyond. And so you're going to love it. It's going to stir your faith today. It's going to encourage you and, uh, and provoke you, hopefully, to pursue prayer and unity like never before. If you're new to this podcast, welcome to the Presence Pioneers podcast. This exists to equip presence-centered communities to worship Jesus and pray night and day. So this is for burn 24-7 furnaces, houses of prayer, praying churches who love the presence of God. We want to help you and serve you and see day and night worship and prayer rise all over the earth. And so if you haven't subscribed yet, please subscribe in your podcast app and iTunes on YouTube. Stay connected with us. You can also go to our website at podcast.presencepioneers.org and you can subscribe via email and you'll be the first to know about new episodes. And also you can see all of our previous episodes, get show notes, links, make a donation to our ministry if you'd like to do that. All of that up on our website. So be sure to check that out. Look, if this podcast is helpful to you, if this episode is encouraging to you, please share it. Please uh, like, comment, uh, anything you can do to engage with us. If you can give us an iTunes podcast review, all those things really help us get this message out and ultimately strengthen the prayer movement. So thanks so much for tuning in today. Here's my interview with Jonathan Frizz. Enjoy. Awesome. Welcome to the podcast, Jonathan. Well, great to be with you, man. Thanks so much for joining us today. We're going to dive right in here. Excited to have you share about your ministry, 10 Days, some of the amazing stories of what God is doing through that and initially uh, calling people to prayer and to unity. I was just browsing around the website a few minutes ago and just refreshing myself on the amazing things that you're doing. So I want you to share about that for sure. But before you do, maybe just give us a little bit of backstory. Who is Jonathan Frizz? How on earth did you end up? leading a ministry of prayer and unity, kind of what got you to that point? Yeah, originally from the Midwest. I grew up in St. Louis and you know, I actually went to college. I was a, a philosophy major, um, went to a small secular liberal arts college in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and figured, you know, my future was something in academics or, or law or something of that nature. There's really only one thing I knew that I didn't want to do. And that was being ministry because my dad was a pastor. <laughs> so I, I love Jesus, but knew that that was not what I wanted to do. So just really through a, a series of life crises, began to sense that God was calling me into ministry and just began to get more serious, really learn, you know, establish my own prayer life and my own walk with God and see victory over areas of sin and started to experience the nearness of the Holy Spirit and the person of the Holy Spirit for the first time. So that was uh, maybe in 2003. And throughout 2004, 
there's a lot to the story, but I, I went on a six day road trip across America with the explicit desire and focus to just seek God about what was next in my life. And mm-hmm. I came away from that, you know, just this time of some fasting and just being alone with God and listening to the word and praying, you know, I just kind of spent the entire time in those activities. And I came away from that with a sense that my calling was based on Jesus prayer in John 17, and that it had to do with prayer and revival, and that there would be a great harvest that would be a part of it. And those were sort of the things I I walked away with. And, you know, to this day, that's still basically what I'm doing. And it's cool how that how, how God did that, even, you know, against my own desires, certainly. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So for you, it was a pretty profound moment where, where God really marked you. You can look back to, and then that sort of created a thread through your life since then, huh? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, from that point, God would start to speak to me about things to do, and then I would do them. And it, it was funny initially, because I'm not from a charismatic background. Like I wouldn't have said, oh yeah, I had a vision. I would have just said, there's this picture in my head and it seems like it's maybe from God. And I think I need to do something about it. Yeah, that was a, that was a little bit of a learning curve, but just shows God's, you know, God's no respecter of persons. And, and so I, I had this picture in my head when I got back from this trip of a net that had little points of light and then they were connected, you know, by lights. And I knew the points were churches and I knew the, the connections of the net were prayer. And I'm like, huh, I think I'm supposed to connect churches in prayer, form like a net. So I actually did that in the town I lived in at the time, Santa Fe, New Mexico. And we created something called the Santa Fe Prayer Net, got about 40 churches involved in praying for one another, um, just, just basically by going and talking to them and saying, hey, would you be willing to pray for other churches in your area? So that was the first thing I did where it was like, wow, God told me to do that. I did it. And it kind of worked. So that was a cool experience. Yeah, that's amazing. So you're in Santa Fe. You're experimenting, I guess, with unity and prayer, and it's working. How did the 10 days vision come into play here? Yeah. Um, so that moment in Santa Fe that I described was was a really cool moment because I was kind of I was kind of like I never knew what I wanted to do within my life, and it was this just intense season of kind of joy of like, wow, I work for God. This is really cool. Like God tells me to do things, I do them and it kind of works. I mean, not perfectly, you know what I mean? But but yeah. there's a sense of, wow, that actually happened. And so I started asking myself, well, okay, I finished that. So what do people who work for God do? You know, like if I had a regular boss, I'd go ask him, you know, hey, what's what's my next assignment? And I was reading Daniel 9 and 10. And I was like, well, this guy, Daniel, is someone, uh, he seems to work for God too. And and he did this 21-day fast. And then an angel came and talked to him. And I'm like, maybe that would work for me. That was literally my process. You know, I was asking God a couple specific questions. Like, you know, one of them was, what do you want me to do next? And then another one was, how can I be part of seeing Jesus receive the answer to his prayer in John 17? And I'd say that's sort of a life question for me. So at the end of this 21 day season of fasting, I had an encounter with the Lord. You know, I just 
heard the Lord saying to me that I was called to be someone who goes before someone greater to prepare a way for them. And I was kind of like, oh, like John the Baptist. And the Lord actually gave me four different examples of that ministry in scripture, including John and Jesus. But I was like, is this Jesus? Is Jesus coming back? Or is it another person? Yeah, I was just kind of confused, you know, but then I was like, wow, this is cool. And it kind of made sense of some things in my life. So that happened. And and then the Lord just kind of stopped talking for about two hours. I went on a really long walk. And on the way back, you know, I was kind of like, well, I did hear from God, but it wasn't, what should I do next? And so I was kind of feeling disappointed. But I heard the Lord say this phrase to me, Babylon refuses to mourn, just in my spirit. But it was clearly the Lord, his presence was there. And I kind of responded back, but your people will mourn before you return. And I was like, huh. So it's it's, it's kind of this cryptic, apocalyptic even statement, you know, like about about Jesus' return. And I was like, that's weird. And uh, (laughs) then I was like, what do you want me to do? That was really my question. He's like, call my people to 10 days fasting, mourning, and repentance. And he gave me this timetable from Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur, which is known as the days of awe. It's a 10-day time period. And I was like, okay, God, who is this for? And I'm thinking this is probably for Santa Fe, where I lived and where I just done this other project. He said, no, it's bigger. So I'm seeing in my mind a map that keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And it's literally just freaking me out. I'm like, what have I, I'm literally thinking, what have I gotten myself into? But I knew this was supposed to be something that was national and global. And I was like, God, how do I do this? And he just showed me a picture of me in my car driving and talking to, and I realized it's as simple as just talking to people, like just sharing with them, just like I had done with the other thing. And then finally, kind of the culmination of this is he showed me a city. The city was inundated in the presence of God. So people weren't going to work, they weren't going to school. Normal life had been suspended. And people were simply seeking the face of God. I knew the city would never be the same. And these two questions rose up in my spirit. God, how would you respond if a city sought you in this way? And is this how you want to fulfill Jesus' prayer in John 17? Anyway, that's the vision of 10 days in a nutshell. Is Our our big vision is seeing cities stop for 10 days to seek God's face and just enter into an extended time of consecration, repentance, humility, and encounter with the living God, where it's like the throne room is in the city, but it starts with the church. You know, it starts with the church entering into what I describe as an upper room type season. But I believe as the church enters into that kind of upper room context and consecrates this time, sets it apart for God, that there's going to be an outpouring of grace and repentance that we're going to start to see Nineveh type things happen in the cities of the earth. So anyway, that's the, that's the 10 days vision. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. So help us understand what that looks like. 10 days of prayer, unity. I was looking on your website. There's dozens of cities that are participating in this now. So what? It, give us a glimpse of what that looks like. Yeah. So in terms of just a, you know, conceptualize it. There's two main models that we use of how to do this. And this was a very 
uh, looking back at that moment in time, like I had no idea how to do it. And, and so we've really kind of learned this stuff by trial and error. So one model of doing it is what we call a multi-site model, which is you get many churches to host portions of the 10 days. And so a lot of cities do that. So one night might be in uh, hosted by First Baptist. One night might be in another church or whatever. And it just kind of moves around the city. So that's something that a lot of places have done uh, is that multi-site model. Another model is to bring everyone together in one place. Um, and obviously, you can have variations on these things. You can combine it in different ways. It's a single-site model. And what we've seen, what I think the strengths are of the multi-site model is it's it's a really easy way to engage people in this vision. So most pastors or leaders are willing to host something in their own space. Um, it's a simple ask. It's hard to say no to prayer. I mean, we all know that prayer is important. So that's something that I think has been really good, really positive. You can even have multiple churches hosting particular portions of that together. Like we've had up to 20 churches hosting meetings together, just one meeting. So that brings out the unity side. But I think the single site models that we're seeing happen are some of the places where we're starting to get that sense of the glory of God really resting in the midst of a community. So this fall, one of our cities, Bridgeport, Connecticut. Bridgeport is the largest city in Connecticut. It's got some of the worst problems in Connecticut in terms of just its crime and things of that nature, poverty. And yet God's doing something special there. So we had 60 churches working together, hosting a single site 10 days with 24-7 worship and prayer and evangelism on the streets, people out on the streets 24-7 sharing Jesus with people. So, you know, there's people there all the time, but then in the evenings, it kind of swells and there there might be five, six, seven hundred people from all these churches coming together, seeking Mm. God. And and that's where I think we're starting to see what it looks like when a community really sets itself apart to seek the Lord during this time. And that's when we start to see, you know, you just start to see an increase in all the God activity in these kind of atmospheres. So supernatural becomes more common salvation, just coincidence, like you can't believe because God is just like there. Personal encounters, calls into ministry, miracles, signs, wonders. It just all starts to happen at an accelerated rate when the Lord is present like that. That's amazing, man. It's awesome. I love it. With the, you know, with Vern 24-7, we kind of have, you know, we have 75 furnaces in the U.S., a couple hundred around the world. And they also have multiple models where sometimes we'll go around the city and once, you know, every month they'll be at a different church hosting a burn. And then some cities have a, have a location where they can do it regularly. And yeah, there's benefits to both, especially it's sort of on the front end of things. Moving around can work really well because like you said, you kind of start pulling in all these people. Maybe they wouldn't go to a church, you know, somebody else's church, but they'll come to their own building that kind of thing. But then I guess as you're seeing in some of these cities over time as the unity's building, they're more willing to all kind of come together and work together in a more consistent way. Yeah. I think that's the key is, is figuring out where you're at, letting the Lord lead you. It's not like one is right and one is wrong. Yeah. 
but it is kind of like, I mean, I'm familiar with the burn and I've been involved in some things like the different stuff in Salem, Massachusetts with outreach. And and it is kind of like a 10 day burn in a way. I mean, there's, it's very similar. It's just a little bit more extended. I was telling God this year, three days would be perfect for me. I don't know why it has to be so long because, because <laughs> there is an element of, you know, you're, you know, you sort of, it's, it can be a little exhausting. It's, uh, yeah. you know, to go that long, but it is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> do all the locations do 24 seven for the 10 days. Yeah. So it's interesting because I love, I love 24 seven prayer. We haven't specifically had a focus on 24 seven. We've had people that have definitely done it. In fact, a number of places that have done it. So we had about 70 cities last year. And I think maybe about 10% were 24-7. It could be a little more. It could be a little less. I'm not exactly sure. But another model that we do is kind of like a three times a day. And one of the advantages of it is then you can all be together for all the sets. So if you do a morning, and like a noon time, and then an evening extended prayer sessions, you know, it's, it can kind of just help create that sense of family. Sometimes when you're doing 24 seven, you're, you feel like ships, you know, passing in the night, you might not see certain people. Yep. So that's a, another model that we like to use that kind of, kind of flows with the unity theme. But actually I was just going to say it, for this next year, we're really going to emphasize the element of 24 seven. God's just given me a vision to see kind of upper rooms around the globe. It came out of just this reading, this quote from William Seymour, who was the founder or God used to start the Azusa Street Revival. And Azusa Street started during a 10-day prayer meeting. The funny thing is, they got to like day three or four and the Holy Spirit poured out. And so I've asked the Lord a number of times, I'm like, Lord, we've seen you do amazing things for 10 days, but... You know, Seymour didn't even get to day 10. Yeah. You know, like, what's the deal? <laughs> right. <laughs> and, you know, we've been doing this for 15 years. And my sense has always been that God is putting more pieces in place and it's something global. So in 1910, Seymour prophesied that in about 100 years, there'd be a move of God like Azusa Street. It's a famous prophecy, but that it would happen all over the globe simultaneously. Yeah. And so, so I, I'm reading this and this thought just occurs to me, you know, I wonder if we'd have a part to play in that at some level. I, I, it's like, kind of like, I, I want to get behind Seymour in a way, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, or I want to support him. Like I want to, I don't know. It, it's hard to, I'm not explaining it very well, but, and then this thought occurred to me, what if instead of, we're not a church, you know, there's not just 120 of us in an upper room in Jerusalem anymore. Now we're global. What if we could see 120 cities that would do what they did in the upper room? They prayed continually and in one accord. So continually means 24-7, I think. And one accord means, you know, ministries and churches working together. So for next year, for 2020, we're looking to have 120 cities participating that are all going 24-7. Wow. And, and where there's a, a sense, you know, where churches and ministries are working together. And then we're going to develop like a pledge that talks about basically this concept of consecration, consecrating time, setting time apart for God, you know, where we lay aside good things 
think, but just things that we'd normally do to really focus on him. And our hope is to have 120,000 people sign that pledge just to give themselves to this place of consecration next year. So anyway, that's, that's uh, some of what we're thinking about for next year. Yeah. I love that, man. That's beautiful. I didn't realize you'd been going for 15 years. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's had different seasons. The, the, The stuff I shared with you about Santa Fe, that was in 2004. Okay. So yeah. Yeah. I love it, man. It's, it's, it's so beautiful. I love what God's doing and calling people to prayer and unity. And, and there's so many little movements and yeah. initiatives and things that are popping up all over the place that have such a similar heart. What's the closest you've seen to a city that really stopped? Is it that city in Connecticut? You think is that one of the strongest? Yeah, I think that, I think that the last couple of years, that's been the strongest. I think that, you know, we're still the idea of stopping a city, we're still waiting, I think, for the church to really embrace that because it's so countercultural. Dude, it's so much better now, though. I'm, I keep getting surprised because I share about this and people are, you know, just used to be just they would look at you like you had three heads um, <laughs> or they wouldn't really hear what you were saying. Uh, they would, yeah. you know, kind of like take what you're saying and translate it into something else. And people are starting to hear it and say, okay, we think that we could, like, we don't think we can do it today, but faith is starting to be stirred. So, yeah, uh, definitely Bridgeport has been a leader in that. One year they had 100 people take vacation time. That's amazing. um, You know, for that entire time. And that year, it was a couple of years ago, but I went down and, you know, honestly, it was like the sense of the glory, the manifest glory of God was so strong on that particular time that I went, you couldn't, if you were speaking, you couldn't really stand on the stage. And it just reminded me of my initial vision of, you know, like the throne room being kind of in a city almost. Yes. And, you know, it it was, it was an incredible encounter and, and just an incredible sense of God's presence and awe, the fear of the Lord you know, was really strong as well. You're kind of like, I don't know what I need to repent of, but, you know, there's just a, a measure of awareness of the reality of God, the otherness of God that comes in those kind of settings. So yes. wow, um, that's amazing. Wow. I love that. I mean, it's a sacrifice and God sends fire on sacrifice. You know, I think that's the days off, you know, the vacation time, not only to, Gather yeah, to prayer is, is sacrifice, but man, just to literally shut down, right? To, to give up that time for the Lord is is such a huge sacrifice. Obviously, it's going to be a supernatural thing, and it already is to some extent. But I think to to see even greater manifestation of what God's shown you is coming. You know, I mean, it's going to be the Lord, but it's building. We're praying. I mean, I think we're praying towards it, and it's growing, growing, growing. And I believe it, man. I believe you're. I believe we're going to see cities shut down. I love that vision. I love that idea. It's powerful. Hey guys, this is Matthew. We'll get back to the episode in just a moment. If you're enjoying the podcast, please consider joining Presence Pioneers Premium, our brand new subscriber community. Paid subscribers will get exclusive premium content, such as bonus podcast episodes, exclusive articles, early releases, and more. 
Presence Pioneers will be releasing its first e-course in 2024 with many more to come. And the Presence Pioneers premium subscribers will always have full access to the entire library of online courses. Visit media.presencepioneers.org or click the link in the description to join today. You can become a premium member today for an introductory price of only $5 a month. When the price goes up in the future, as our library of resources grows, you can stay subscribed at the original price. If you've enjoyed our podcast for a while, becoming a premium member is a simple way for you to help us cover the cost of producing this podcast and partner with Presence Pioneers in equipping the church with resources for day and night prayer, prophetic worship, missions, and revival. Visit media.presencepioneers.org to sign up today. And I think, I think too, like you were saying earlier, like this is a resonance that crosses many movements and streams and even in, even in places that we're not even aware of, like where God's saying the same thing to people and people are seeking him in similar ways, you know, burn 24 seven, the house of prayer movements, you know, that are all over the globe, yeah. prayer mountains, you know, things like awaken the dawn and tent America. I could go on and on and on. There's so many different movements of prayer that are similarly oriented. I really do think God is, um, has got us on a trajectory, but I think there's more prayer happening now than, than at any time in human history. So, yeah, I agree. I mean, and there's so much stuff we, we don't even know about too. I just met a 21 year old down in Mississippi who started a prayer movement in his youth group when he was 14, just because he was in his, he was in a secret place, had an encounter with God, and he said, if God encountered me while I was praying, I'm going to start getting my friends to pray. And they started praying when he was in <laughs> and Holy Spirit started baptizing kids and spirit, and they started praying. Now they have a you know a house of prayer in, in down there that he's in his early 20s, and he's leading it, but you know, awesome. he, wasn't, he wasn't initially connected to any of the other things that are going on, any other ministries or anything house of prayer whatever he had no idea he just encountered god and just said let's just start praying <laughs> the holy spirit it's really a holy spirit move the prayer yes. movement is it's a movement that's that's bigger than any one ministry organization but i was just going to say the timing of it during these those feast days in the fall every year i know at least this year for me personally when we hit those 10 days of all i started having dreams this year i don't dream a whole lot but and it's something, it's just a lot of spiritual activity that happens during those, those times. It's really, really special. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, so people ask me, Hey, are you Jewish? Are you Messianic or right. wh- why the focus on these things? And it seems like they ask less now because it's maybe becoming a little more normal in the culture of the body, but you know, I'm not, I'm just a regular Gentile kid never celebrated those things that was just what the lord said i was i've always been interested in the feast but not like you know it's not like i would go out and celebrate yom kippur or anything like that before this but my sense is while this has never been a big theme throughout church history these fall feasts i include so rosh hashanah yom kippur and then the 
Feast of Tabernacles. Those are the three fall feasts, and there's four spring feasts. I think the reason it is right now is these fall feasts all prophesy about the Lord's second coming. And so I just think as we approach that timetable, you know, we're certainly closer to it now than we were 2,000 years ago when the church was born. Because these things are sort of designed by the Father to be prophetic signs and to speak about the Lord's return. So, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's like Passover is easy because Jesus died on the cross. He's our Passover lamb. Pentecost, all the charismatics love Pentecost. Some of the spring, <laughs> some of the spring feasts, but the fall ones are a little bit more, you know, it, like you said, the, the first ones really are more connected to his first coming. The fall feasts are, are more, more connected to his second coming. And so they haven't been, you know, we haven't looked, looked at what those could mean for us or what they speak to us. Maybe like we, we could have, but the Holy Spirit stirring people to focus on it, even awaken the dawn, like you mentioned, which is setting up tents during the Feast of Tabernacles. I know, right? So it's a, it's just another another picture where God, I think, is speaking to us and, and you know, calling us to get ready, calling us to pray and, and to watch and, and to be ready for His return. You know, it's funny, maybe seven years ago, uh, a prophetic lady from California was talking to me. She's like, Jonathan, it's not enough to just do the the days of all. We've got to, we've got to do Tabernacles too. And, you know, and going on and, you know, and trying to get me to like start doing this. And I'm like, I, you know, I, I said to her, look, I'm sure you're right. I'm sure this is on God's heart, but I'm sure God will call someone to do that because I'm overwhelmed just doing what we're doing. And this is something God specifically called me to do. And so sure enough, several years later, Awaken the Dawn gets this, you know, this focus on tabernacles. And I'm like, oh, that's what uh, I knew that was going to, you know, I'm like, I knew someone else would get it. That's cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, and uh, it was encouraging. And so I've we've really been seeking to work closely with Awaken the Dawn and Tent America to kind of make this like a fall feast sequence and just support each other. Because I, I really think that's what the Lord is saying is, hey, enter into these times. It's a special season and there's a special grace on it right now. And if we get the these times of kind of repentance and fasting and humbling ourselves, I feel like if we get that right, and there's such a greater joy in the mm. celebration of tabernacles and even a greater harvest. Like we saw so many people in New England get saved this fall during during the tabernacles time, time period. And uh, well, really during the whole fall feast time period. Uh, so anyway, that's uh, I think that's a beautiful thing to do those together and really love our friends and partners with Awaken the Dawn. Such a sure. great, great movement. Yeah. So any other stories come to mind, man, about like for what you saw? I mean, you just had 10 days not too long ago. So, I mean, any other cool testimonies or stories of some things God's doing? Yeah, so many, man. You know, just <laughs> I'll share this one. This is from uh, the gathering in Boston. So about five days in, we were doing 24-7 in Boston. So we friend, some of the YWAM guys. Yeah, you know those guys? Yeah, Aaron and them, yeah. Awesome. So, so Aaron uh, says to me, he's like, dude, I can tell we're at a tipping point. There's going to start to be overflow. So anyway, uh, a guy he shared the gospel with three years ago, texted him right after he said that randomly. Aaron's like, who are you? You know, this is just some random number. The guy's like, are you still doing that religion stuff? <laughs> yes. 
So anyway, this guy is a, like a graduate student at Harvard. Aaron shared the gospel with him three years ago. And that set him on a journey of exploring Jesus. Aaron hadn't talked to him in three years. Wow. So the guy's like, yeah, I want to, I want to meet. So Aaron's like, we'll come to the prayer room. You know, we had this great upper room space overlooking Boston with a view of the skyline, really beautiful space for prayer. And so anyway, the next day the guy comes over, Aaron shares, shares the gospel with him. He receives Christ on the spot. He gets baptized on the spot with a water bottle <laughs> and filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, just a guy at one of the kind of you know, Harvard philosophy department. And so that was just a powerful testimony, wow. too, of how prayer drives evangelism. Because Aaron shared the gospel three years ago, hadn't done anything since. And then it just came to fruition. We had a 24-7 global Zoom this year during 10 days. So people from all over the globe in many languages praying together, and they just had so many amazing testimonies. One of them was the way that praying for Israel and the Jewish people actually fueled prayer for the nations. And so that was a cool thing to just hear. I felt conceptually that people were understanding and learning from this time, because we had a lot of people who loved to pray for unreached people groups and pray for the nations. And they were describing how there was like almost an acceleration when they brought together praying for Israel and praying for the nations. One group was like, yeah, we prayed 10 days. Each day we saw someone saved in our community. Wow. Uh, and that was, that was powerful. Some notable miracles. I mean, a woman this year got healed of Tourette's. Come on. One of the 10 days meetings, just nothing was done or said. She started manifesting threats and then it just went away. And, you know, in Bridgeport, they had an amazing testimony, maybe that was more premature, a pound and a half, you know, with a whole just, you know, inventory of health challenges. Like this child was certainly going to die. It, it indeed did die. The doctors brought it back, but they were like, we can't do any treatment. It's too small. Things like, I can't remember all of it, but, you know, like life-threatening blood clots, different things like that. And the whole church in Bridgeport just prayed for this child. It was like in the book of Acts when the whole church is praying for Peter. So they just, as with one voice, prayed for this child. And God healed the baby and he's home. I mean, it's just an incredible story. But they like got to intercede, you know, as with one voice as a citywide church and then see God do a miracle. Wow. Uh, But many other, you know. Any other things as as well. Like I said, it's just it just accelerates what God's doing in your community. Yeah. Wow. I love it, man. Amazing. Praise God. (laughs) So we have uh, a lot of people that listen to this are involved in burn furnaces or houses of prayer. Some of them are leaders, that kind of thing. So you've been leading United Prayer efforts now for 15 years. So. What, what are some things you have learned? If you have a few more minutes, just give us some practical advice, you know, like for the presence pioneers who are watching this, who say, we want unity. We want to see prayer. We love these things. Like, what have you learned? If you could go back 15 years, maybe and tell yourself at that point, some things, what would you say that would help us? Yeah. 
Yeah, if I was going to go back to old self, I'd say, hey, this is going to take longer than you think. <laughs> Great advice. Great wisdom. <laughs> so, you know, I'll share something in general. The number one thing I would say is persevere. Don't take offense. Forgive people, especially when you're working in unity work. I think most people I see try and work in a unity space. They last maybe six months to a year and then they quit. And the reason is they get offended with people, you know, without a doubt. And so you have to really know people don't have to return your phone calls or your emails. No, people probably won't do what they say. Like, <laughs> you know, just things like things like that. But yes, if you yeah. keep persevering, like God's word is true. Jesus gets what he prays for. He has a plan to see, you know, the church be one as the father and son are one. He has a plan. If Another thing would be a matter of our orientation uh, towards uh, the Lord and towards revival. So I had a very, you know, I kind of shared a little bit of the story. After that encounter in 04, I spent five months on the road sharing this vision. I rejected a lot, you know, had some amazing experiences. But at the end of the day, I was angry with God and I hated the church. So that's not good, right? Right. <laughs> I told God I quit and I went into a, really a spiral of depression and a total, total burnout. It was physical, financial. It was like at every level, my marriage was in trouble. My dog got hit by a car. I mean, you know, you could, it sounds like a country song. <laughs> so it got so bad that this is literally, I mean, it's just kind of a joke, but it's literally true. It got so bad. I was like, I'm so depressed. I might as well go to seminary. And that's how that's how I that's how we moved to New England. That was the highly spiritual way that God brought us to Massachusetts. It's like, wow. eh, might as well. And uh, nothing else left to lose. And so that led me on a journey. And the journey was into things like the Song of Songs and also into the Proverbs. So into the wisdom literature. To, to try and just seek and figure out how do we sustain this revival kind of fire? Like how do we become places where this can rest and dwell without it killing us? And, you know, I, I, re I read Jonathan Edwards and I'm reading this stuff and I'm like, man, I wish I'd read this before. They did the same thing. Like, Cause you see these same patterns of God moving and then like people just going off the deep end. And I was like, man, that was me. So anyway, I had this encounter before the Lord. We were about to do our second 10 days of prayer. The first one, you know, literally at the end of the 10 days, I, it took me nine months to recover. I almost lost my faith. I mean, it was, I was a mess. I hated the Christians. Oh. And so I was like afraid to do this again. I'm like, God, I'm afraid. <laughs> I don't want to give another nine months. And the Lord just really kindly encountered me. And he said, he said, last time you did it because you wanted something. And I knew exactly what he meant. I had wanted to see revival in America. Mm. And I was like, I would pay any price for that. The, the end result had been, you know, all these bad things. He said, this time do it because you love me. Come on. And um, so it just shifted my heart. He showed me this picture of a gazelle leaping towards me. It was a, a picture from the Song of Songs. And in Jonathan Edwards, the gazelle represents revival, like the coming of God's spirit. So I just knew if I sought him because I loved him, that all the things I wanted to see in terms of revival would come as well. 
but but that's just been I, I would say that's a key insight that has has helped me persevere and stay the course. And I think I've seen a lot of I've seen what I what happened to me happen to a lot of other people. Mm-hmm. And I you know so anyway that would be my encouragement is let's do it because we love him and and trust that he's going to bring revival and bring the things he's promised. So. Amen. That sounds like an amazing point to end on. Do it because you love him. I love it. So important, man. Well, look, thank you so much again, Jonathan. If people want to connect with 10 days or maybe do it in their city, where do they go to connect with all that? Yeah. If you go to 10days.net, the number 1010days.net, it's our website. You can certainly connect with us there. If you, if you want to reach out to me by email, it's a 10 days info. The number 10, 10 days info, info at gmail.com. So those are two ways to connect. Yeah, we'd love to have people entering into this vision for next year of 120 cities. And we'll have a sign up for different cities up on the website, probably in the next couple months, probably by the new year. So that'll be another on-ramp as well. Sounds great, man. You want to just say a prayer for anybody that listens? Yeah, Father... We love you, Lord, and Lord, I'm just grateful that I have this time with Matthew today just to reconnect, share hearts, be together. And Lord, we pray for all those that are listening, God. I just pray, Lord, if you're sparking something in them, even unrelated to anything that we've talked about, God, we just want to bless that seed, pray that it would grow in their hearts. And Lord, would you just show them, Lord, it's so simple to follow you. We just, we wait on you. We sit at your feet. We just abide in your word. We rest in your word. And then you lead us and you're with us every step of the way. Lord, we just pray for everyone listening to walk with you in that confidence and simplicity. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.